Company NFL insider, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, joins us now. Here we go, 5 o'clock hour. Raucous atmosphere here at Ellis Island. Come on down. Puck drop in about 20, 25 minutes. You know how long these games are, so if you can't make it down right now, come on down in a little bit, and I will say... Good place to view the games at the front yard and also a pretty decent place if you want to walk to what could be madness on the strip. It's a short walk up to the strip, so this could be a good place to uh, hang, then park, and then go get involved if, if, we don't want to jinx it, if the Knights win the Stanley Cup. Miles Simmons is with us from Pro Football Talk. Miles, how you doing, buddy? Do we have Miles? Right now, we do not. Uh, Adam Candy is here as well. Do we have candy? Oh, yeah, baby. All right, oh, good deal. Candy. Good deal. Uh, so, before we get to some of the football talk and updates with Miles Simmons in a couple of minutes, I said we would mention the P word. The parade. We'll get, oh. to, that in a, we'll get, we'll get to that in a second. If, if the Knights win tonight... You know, it's funny, I was having a conversation last night with Chris Matthews from uh, 8 News Now, and Chris was saying, hey, they should be shooting fireworks off, you know, around Toshiba Plaza. And I asked him, how many people do you think will show up from inside the arena, outside watching in Toshiba Plaza, and then anyone else on the Strip who wants to come down to the Strip if the Knights win? How big could the crowd be tonight? Because I don't know, man, I'm sure you saw some of the overheads of Denver. It looked like there were like 150, 200,000 people in downtown Denver like minutes after they won the title last night. Well, the difference is that people actually live there. Like you're talking about an area of downtown Denver that has been gentrified more than once. So you got people right there. They don't have to go anywhere other than walk out of their apartment buildings. So I think you might have the curious tourists who wander in, but I don't know that you're going to get half of Summerlin coming down to party with the Knights. Miles Simmons is with us from Pro Football Talk. Miles, how you doing? I'm doing well, gentlemen. How are you? We're good. We're getting ready yeah. for what could be a crazy, crazy night. One of the biggest nights in sports history in Las Vegas with the Vegas Golden Knights. How many times have you been around an atmosphere, either as a fan or covering it, around a championship atmosphere where there, you know, there was a celebration or maybe at a parade? Kind of never. I mean, never the night of. Um, unfortunately, when I was when the, when the Cavs won, uh, being from Cleveland, I was in Los Angeles. I was actually at a hotel in Oxnard because the Rams had just moved out there, and I was still working for them. So that was very anticlimactic. Though I did go back to Cleveland for the parade. So I guess that's one. But that wasn't the same as you know being there on the night where it happens, where everybody is already that euphoric. And when I was in college and I was in New York, I also went to the Giants parade. So I guess that's kind of the two times that it's really been that. But other than that, man, yeah, it's not. I guess I was in Kansas City when they went to the Super Bowl um, when uh, they won in 2019, you know, and they beat the Titans. That was also pretty cool. So that's probably the closest thing that it's been where you, you see that euphoria and you feel that. There is one strongly anti-parade person on Cofield and Company. You'd never guess oh, who. Boy. Um, I don't believe it's Adam. I don't believe it's Adam Candy who's on the show with us right now. Um, are you pro or anti parade? Can you enjoy the atmosphere? Or do you get do you get uh, uncomfortable around the average fan, as our friend Adam Hill does? 
Oh no, I'm totally, I'm pro parade. I'm very pro parade because you know I like going to games, especially football games, when I have the chance to, and being in the crowd and feeling that. Like I have been because I have a bunch of friends in Kansas City, as I kind of alluded to. Like I, I have been to multiple playoff games there, and that is some of the most fun that I feel like I can have. Like I was in the crowd for that 13 seconds with Buffalo, right, against Buffalo last year. And that was one of the most brilliant things that I feel like you can ever experience. So I am very, very pro parade, pro celebration. You know, I think that it's one thing, you know, when you're talking about college and storming the field and all that, that's different. But I think, you know, when you're celebrating a championship, go out on the streets, have a good time, and don't destroy stuff. But you should have fun because it's, you know, you never know when that kind of thing is going to come up again. Stan Kroenke, all he does is win. former employer. Yep, win, 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 win. Is that how it goes? Um, yeah. Your former employer, what is he like? Because uh, I've heard he's a bit of a recluse at times. He looked a bit uncomfortable. Uh, last night when he was talking to Lisa Salters, he didn't speak into the microphone. He answered in her ear, which is weird. Uh, what is Cronky what is like? I, I can honestly say that I never had a conversation with him. I think oh, really? Shocker. That, no, I never did, yeah. But I, nobody with the Rams, unless you are a high-level executive, really has. So at least that was the case when I was working there. I think it's different, though, uh, in Denver. Because I have had conversations with people um, you know, around the NFL and whatnot who work in Denver and worked around that team, and the Nuggets, and because that was one of the first teams that he owned. So, you know, with the Nuggets and Avalanche, it's kind of a different Cronky than the Cronky that ended up buying this then St. Louis Rams and moving them to Los Angeles. I mean, he was very personable with those folks, and they all have all said that they knew him very, very well, and, like, they got along with him very well, and he's so knowledgeable about sports, but he's one of those guys that likes to be more in the shadows and likes to let people do their jobs. And yeah. So, I mean, I was in a draft room with him a couple of times when I, I still worked for the Rams, and he was always very attentive to what was going on, but it's not like he was, you know, going around and shouting things out and, you know, doing things that you would think Jerry Jones would do, right? He was just kind of observing the people that he pays do their jobs. So, yeah, that, that's been my impression of him. Well, he's won multiple titles now, uh, you know, across yeah. the, the sports landscape. I'm not going to say he's the best owner in sports, but I think he's got to be in the conversation. I think right now he's got to be in the conversation and I think part of it too is also what he's done in terms of building a stadium here in Los Angeles it is a world-class venue and I know I don't work for him anymore but like look it, it's one of the best places you can go to watch anything in the entire United States if not the world right so that's something and he did it as a privately funded stadium. You know, it's not like they went to the California legislature and got a bunch of public money. That's A, not gonna happen here in California, but it's also, I think, something that is a little bit commendable um, when you're talking about a, a private investor and uh, somebody who is a clear billionaire and has a lot of money and he's funding his own thing. Now, were there tax breaks? Absolutely, but I think that it still does say something when that guy is doing all of this kind of as a billionaire and doing the thing himself. Miles Simmons is with us. Adam Candy alongside. Damon is here as well as Cofield and Company. We're minutes away from the puck drop over at the Fortress. We are just off the strip at Ellis Island. You come on down. There's still some tables open here at the front yard. And check out the game every time VGK scores a goal. 
free shots, free fireball shots. So I know you're. Uh, you should oh. be here, Miles. You and I could uh, be. Wow, that's throwing. fun. It is. I well, believe me. They actually. Uh, they just put a, some giveaway shots in front of me. There's 60 mini bottles right in front of me. I'm not going to say I'm going to crawl under the table during your next answer and grab one, one of the packs, but uh, maybe. Um, all right. One other thing on Kroenke that I thought was interesting is Mike Florio somehow spun last night's success into, hey, how about spend some money now on the turf at SoFi? I don't know about the story. What's the deal with the turf at SoFi? Okay, so the... I don't know about spinning the, a championship in the NBA and do that in the first place. And so, you know, and I would say that to Florio's face. I, well, but, like, the, the simple fact is that when you have a stadium that is as world-class as SoFi and it's going to be used as a World Cup venue in 2026 when that is in North America, um, they're going to switch the field from turf to grass because international soccer stars will not play on turf fields and so that's part of you know health and safety and things like that and it's much less of a risk for players with their legs when they are playing on grass instead of turf so the argument is that yeah all players want to especially in the nfl they want to play on grass they know that it's better for their bodies they feel that it's better for their bodies but the nfl has resisted that in part because it's going to cost more money to make that happen and when you're in a venue like sofi that is you know the, the, the playing surface is 90 feet basically underground it makes it more difficult obviously to have grass that is in there you know for every football game but clearly it's possible to do if you're going to do it for the world cup so i, I understand the argument i just think that spinning well crocky won a championship now we should change the field at sofi is a very uh it's a, it's a stretch let's put it like that miles when we talk about turf we're largely talking about the longevity health players and there is no position that we spend more time talking about longevity than running back and right now you've got Josh Jacobs in a contract dispute you've got Sam Barkley in a contract dispute you've got the Minnesota Vikings pretty well ending any contract dispute that would have been for Dalvin Cook and sending him packing uh, what's going on right now in, in the NFL in terms of the value for running backs because on one hand we can look at what's going on in free agency and there's a clear message on the other hand, I have Bijan Robinson and Shamir Gibbs getting drafted at the top of this. Yeah, and you should because the difference is those guys are young running backs and they're on their rookie contracts. It's the thing that's happened now is running backs are valuable so long as they are on their first contract, right? And if before they turn, let's call it 27, 28, that's where you're going to have your peak running back production. And the problem becomes, well, you're going to run those guys into the ground and then you say, well, we can replace you. And part of that is there are so many college programs, right? There are over 100 college programs in the country. And by and large, they have at least one running back who is exiting that program and you know potentially going to the NFL the next year. And I think when we see guys like an Isaiah Pacheco, who was a seventh-round draft pick, right, and he goes to the NFL and he ends up being the leading rusher for a team that wins the Super Bowl, then you kind of say to yourself, well, this is a position that we know we can get anywhere. And you have to be the most special of the most special in order to get that second contract.
contract that will allow you to get the, let's call it, life-changing money. So when you look at somebody like an Austin Eckler, right, somebody who's trying to be, you uh, asked for a trade because you wanted a contract extension, he was only going to make $6 million in base salary, thereabouts, this year, and there were no bites on the trade market because nobody was going to pay him in an extension what he wanted to be paid. So he ends up signing a contract that doesn't give him any more guaranteed money, but it only gives him incentives that will only get him up to, let's call it eight and a half, eight point seven five million. I think it's around there. It's not gonna get him to the level of even the franchise tag that Tony Pollard has already signed, franchise tender. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, they're trying to hold out proverbially, not actually in a hold out, you know what I'm saying? But they're trying to get more money. But I don't know that there's actually going to be more money for them to get just based on what the market for running backs is. So because there are so many undrafted free agents that are successful, because there are so many low round draft picks that are successful, there's not much there for a running back who can be really, really good, but just you, you can replicate that production with one or two players most of the time. And you can say that, unfortunately, even for the league's rushing leader last year in Josh Jacobs. So if you're Josh Jacobs, you might just be barking up the wrong tree. You I, might I, just I, have to accept it. Yeah, and, and I don't like to say that because I don't think it's a very nice thing to say, first of all. And I don't think that... And, and I think when I say it, it sort of feels like an indictment on Josh Jacobs, the player, and it's really not. Josh Jacobs is a special running back. I think I, I saw that, you know, covering him day to day in 2019 when he was a rookie. And last year, he seemed like he was in the doghouse, right? I mean, he ended up playing significant snaps in the Hall of Fame game. You don't expect to see that from somebody who is going to be a key role player on a team. And especially a key starting player, right? A guy that ends up leading the league in rushing. You don't he, that guy's not supposed to be playing in the Hall of Fame game. So the fact that he went from that to doing what he did last year shows just how good of a player that he is. But unfortunately, it's the position and it's the market at the position that means I don't know if you're really going to get that kind of big multi-year deal as a running back right now. The, the market just isn't there. Because think of all the players who have not even been signed yet, right? And, and I think we're gonna talk a little bit more about Dalvin Cook, yeah? But you got a guy in Ezekiel Elliott, still productive, right? He's out on the market. Kareem Hunt, he's still out on the market. We haven't even heard a sniff about where those guys can end up going. So you had Dalvin Cook to that, and yeah, he is one of those premium running backs, but based on all of those different things, I mean, Dalvin Cook hasn't been snapped up yet, and we're not really hearing a lot about how much interest there is in him and in general. So. It's mm. one of those things where running backs are just not valued very high right now. All right, Miles. You got my blood boiling. Oh, boy. You may know where I'm going here because I did it around Lamar Jackson. Okay. So I saw Barkley talk about kind of knowing his place in the league, almost suggesting that, hey, it's important to stand his ground. And I also believe Josh Jacobs knows that. I don't know that Tony Pollard knows it because Tony Pollard really hasn't cashed in. But here's my question. You, you mentioned, so we got Pollard, Jacobs. We've got Kareem Hunt. Who was the other running back? Uh, well, Dalvin Cook. Who was the other running back that you uh, you mentioned? Uh, uh, that Zeke, was out? Zeke Elliott. So Zeke. Zeke Elliott. So you got like six, seven guys. So if I'll throw out the, the, the scarless claim. If the owners are allowed to sort of collude when it comes to big money running backs, why can't the three guys who were franchise tagged 
do the same, bond together, and go, you know, we're not going to sign. We're not going to sign until until guys start getting the right money. And again, I will go back to Lamar Jackson when I was screaming, you know, Viva la Lamar Jackson! Right? Viva la revolution! Yeah. yeah. I know it's different with quarterbacks. But I wonder mm-hmm. what would happen if, if the three guys from franchise tag are like, no, you know what? Screw it. We're sitting out. Well, Tony Pollard has already signed his franchise tender, so he's already ruined that. I mean, that's kind of my response to it. So, I mean, Saquon so, Barkley. So, and, so factually, the beginning of my argument sucks because one of them's off the table. But the other two. Well, but I mean, the problem is that Tony Pollard has already ruined it. You can't have a, a real bargaining thing yeah. if you want to say that Saquon and, and uh, Josh Jacobs do that. Then everybody's going to be like, "Well, Tony Pollard already signed this, so what, what are you doing? Are you really that much better than Tony Pollard?" Okay. I mean, and that's the team speaking, right? Right. I mean, I do think that Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs are probably better than Tony Pollard, but Tony Pollard is a really good running back, and I yeah. don't mean that as a put down of Tony Pollard. But yeah, if you're talking about, you know, can they band together and be like, no, you need to pay us something better than that, then it's already ruined. Yeah. All right. Well, I already told Sorry. you about the next. I, no, no, no. I already told you about the next fight. So, if Herbert or Burrow sign a deal that is anything below. 55 or 60 million dollars a year they're clowns gotta fight the fight well gotta fight the fight it's easy for us to say that though but i don't think that those guys are guys that want to fight the fight i know it's I know. like when patrick mahomes and i've had this discussion with, with florio like when patrick mahomes is kind of waiting for you know justin herbert and, and joe burrow to sign so that he can eclipse their mark at, at, at quarterback and become the highest paid player once again, uh, then everybody's got to get something. And I think from a certain perspective, if you're Joe Burrow, if you're Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, I think especially, he knows that he is on the cusp of being that dude that is almost as good as Patrick Mahomes, right? Now, you, you know, you got to get two Super Bowls in order to really be up there. But I think Joe Burrow is every bit as capable of taking his team to a Super Bowl and winning it as Patrick Mahomes is. I, I, I firmly believe that about Joe Burrow, and we've seen it from him that he can get his team to the Super Bowl. It's just that Aaron Donald ruined his day in the last bit of that thing that was at SoFi last year. So if you look at it that way, you want to say, all right, if I'm Joe Burrow and I've got T. Higgins and I've got Jamar Chase and I've got Tyler Boyd, I want to be able to keep as many of those dudes as we possibly can. And because we're in a salary-capped sport, I can only get so much of this pie that will then allow the Cincinnati Bengals to pay other people so that we can help build my legacy. And if that's the kind of thing you're concerned about, then that's why you're not going to be like, I'm going to get $60 million and you can't do anything about it. That's not, it's not the way that these dudes are wired as quarterbacks. To, is to get things like that. I, I just and I think that about Mahomes. I think that about Herbert, and I think that about Joe Burrow, based on what I know about all those guys. So let me be clear on something that you're saying here, Miles. When we talk about the idea of Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, you're saying that Joe Burrow is equally as capable of getting two Super Bowls. Are you saying that Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes are in a tier? together or does Joe Burrow have to do something for you to get to where Patrick Mahomes is I don't I don't think that Joe Burrow is quite in the Patrick Mahomes tier because I think Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen play the sport 
And so that's just my thinking on that. And, you know, yeah, Tom Brady is the GOAT, but Patrick Mahomes is on his way. And I think, you know, when you're talking about generation after generation, everybody's going to be better than the generation before. Patrick Mahomes is doing things on the field that Tom Brady never did because Patrick Mahomes is younger and, you know, we have more knowledge of sports research and how to maximize a body's potential than we ever did 20 years ago when Tom Brady was getting started. But I, I think that if I were going to rank quarterbacks on tiers right now, I would put Patrick Mahomes at a class of his own, and I would almost put Joe Burrow in a class of his own just a slight tier below, because I think that that's how highly I think of Joe Burrow and what he's done to elevate the Cincinnati Bengals. Golden Pipes is banging out the national anthem, so puck drop here yeah, in the next awesome. 10, 10 minutes or so. Miles Simmons is with us. What's up, Miles? Uh, just, I, could, I could hear it a little bit. It was kind of awesome over there. Yeah, it, was, uh, it was good. Very good. He's, he's, he's great. And now we got 50 Cent, uh, definitely connected with Vegas, right? Uh, doing the air raid siren. Nice. All right, pretty good, pretty good. Not bad, not bad. You need the extra bulk to get that siren going. Wasn't the best ever. Wasn't the best ever. We've seen some other folks almost blow their head off getting so fired up about it. But uh, BGK Hockey on the way here in just a couple minutes. Miles, let's close on this. We'll hit Dalvin Cook next week because I think I, I I think like like you said earlier I think Kareem Hunt and Dalvin Cook and Zeke are going to wait for freaking ever and they are not going to get anything close to what uh, they think they deserve. What does Stephon Diggs deserve and what does he want? Is he doing a hold in? What's going on here? This is very very strange because he was reportedly there. Well, I shouldn't say reportedly. The Bills confirmed he was there yesterday for the whole medical check-in and usually that's also when they will do like the internal media day stuff you know where you get everything for the scoreboard and all that and then he was there on tuesday morning and then he left and we don't know why he left and i i I said to a buddy of mine who's from buffalo and he's like what the hell's going on man and i'm like you know i wish that rachel nichols we're at Stefan Diggs's house and we could have the Rachel Nichols, Jimmy Butler type interview because that I, I don't understand this. And the weird thing too was that Diggs' agent told Adam Schefter, oh, he's going to be there. And it's like, well, how are you going to tell Adam Schefter he's there and he's going to participate all week when the coach literally just said that he's not? So something was wrong and that didn't add up. And as the Bills confirmed later after that report came out from Schefter, like, yeah, no, he's not here. So... I don't know. Josh Allen said that they have to work through some things, whatever that means. But I, I, I don't know how you can interpret this anything else other than, well, Stefan Diggs kind of had a little temper tantrum, and it's unclear whether it's over the contract or something else that's going on internally that ticked him off. But something obviously made him upset, and it made him upset enough to leave, and it also made the organization concerned enough for the head coach to be in his press conference, yeah, we're very concerned about this. And yeah. you don't usually hear head coaches <laughs> talk like that, especially in June. June! That, so it's very, it, it's a very odd situation. We'll see what happens. Get what you pay for, right? Everyone knows that Diggs has a reputation coming in. He can be a little bit prickly sometimes. Miles, you're great, man. We appreciate you uh, doing an extended spot with us today. And we will catch up with you next week. Are you actually going to turn on some hockey or uh, you're just not down with it? I'll watch it. I'll special. I'll probably get it on in the third period. See what's going on. You know, and then see watch if you guys actually close this thing out. Go Knights! If they win, uh, watch some post game video up on Twitter. Uh, maybe some of us will be out in the madness. We'll love see. It. We'll see. Yeah, I love look it. Forward to it. All right, Miles. Talk to you, buddy. <laughs>
All right, be good, guys. All right, we're about 10 minutes away from talking uh, Nuggets specifically with the NBA title being won last night. Chad Andrus did a long show in the postgame for the fan in Denver. The puck has dropped. We're about a minute and 15 in. It is scoreless. Get on down here. Front yard, Ellis Island, the place to be, man. This is a great environment right off the strip. $4 beers with their uh, brewery that's been open since 1998. Wear your VGK gear. You can get a free beer. They've got a, a chance to win a Jack Daniels-branded Vegas Golden Knights jersey. And John Von Tobel from ESPN Las Vegas is on the scene hosting the party, doing all the giveaways. Hanging at Ellis Island, it's Coalfield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, Candy, game has started. Good crowd here. A few tables left. Here is the front yard at Ellis Island. Uh, every time VGK scores, free shots. We got a ton of fireball. May have had a few the other day. Candy, that was a good time. Enjoyed that. Are you a fireball guy? I don't even know if you're. I don't even know if you're a drinker. Uh, no, I never let any of the devil's poison touch my lips. Uh, ever, ever, or I'm, recently ever? I mean, not in the last, like, 12 hours. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, before that, yeah, you know, once or once or twice or three times. Fireball's not in my bag. Like, I... It's, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll shoot, wi- I'll shoot whiskey, don't, don't get me wrong, but, like, fireball, I don't know. But there are better ways to get a bird in my chest. <laughs> Hey, what do you think of my question with Miles about San Kroenke being an awesome owner and a top five owner in all of sports, in spite of the fact that he's a little bit weird? Uh, last night, he didn't know what a microphone was, apparently, because he was answering the questions in front of the crowd into Lisa Salter's ears. And he's, he's also he's, he's been oddly rewarded for being bizarre in the Denver market. He's got a couple of titles here and didn't have his teams on local TV. Well, not... Yeah, it was, it was a whole cable deal that we've gone through in a lot of markets. But, yeah, I mean, he, in building the fan base, he actually shut a lot of people out. Well, and I, I would also caution that you might not want to ask the people in St. Louis uh, what yeah. the answer to that question is because they might tell you that Stan Kroenke is the worst thing that ever happened to professional sports ownership. But if you just want to look at the fact that the teams that the man owns have all won championships in the past two-plus years, it's kind of hard to get around. Yep. What about the what about the weird part? I was just kind of blown away by the Lisa Salters thing last night, where he looked like he was whispering secrets to her as yeah. opposed to speaking into the microphone, which was very very odd. It was also extremely uncomfortable in the arena because the fans you could hear were getting restless as Stan Kroenke was struggling to come up with the words. Like, you almost wanted Josh to take the mic and be like, it's okay, granddad. No, no, no. Everything's going to be fine. Just sit down and get, get take a little <laughs> sip of plum juice and enjoy that championship. Uh, Von Tobel threw out the question on social media last night. He's like, why do we have to give the mic to the owner first? How about we just kind of bury him towards somewhere in the middle? Uh, yeah, it'd be fantastic if they weren't the real audience for the commissioner who's handing over the trophy in the first place. So yeah. like, if the commissioner's got to hand over the trophy, he's got to give it to his boss first. We won the whole thing. It's an amazing feeling. But like I said before, it's not everything on the world, you know, I think. I think still, if okay, I want it. Okay, we, not I, we want it. But I think it's not the most important thing in the world still. There is a bunch of things that, that I like, that I like to do. 
I mean, probably that's no, that's a normal thing, you know. Nobody likes his uh, his job, or maybe they do. They're lying. Hanging at Ellis Island, it's Coalfield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Five o'clock hour. We got the game on all around us. Twenty plus TVs plus the uh, big eighteen footer here at the front yard, Ellis Island. Come on down. A few tables open. These folks know what's going on. Free shots every time the Golden Knights score. They just just came up short a couple of seconds ago. I think that was Jokic on the way back. I really can't hear it. It's loud in here, but it sounded like Nikola Jokic. Yesterday was crazy. Yesterday was crazy. Chad Anders was on the scene. Chad does radio for the fan in Denver. Chad, how you doing, buddy? I'm just thankful that uh, VGK and you find folks in Las Vegas let our little burb here hold the Stanley Cup and the Larry O'Brien Trophy together for one more day before you take it. That's a good point. That's a real good point. So how crazy was last night? Uh, We'll talk about your radio show in a second, but how crazy was it on the ground in Denver? It looked like there were a lot of people, and they went kind of crazy. Yeah, it's 47 years in the making. It's a long time coming, and this is... What uh, I think a lot of people don't understand is it was is definitely 100% a basketball town. As much attention as the Broncos have got and will always continue to be, there's been a lot of people, the natives here, that are long, long, long time sufferers with Nug Life and everything that's happened in the history of the franchise, never having been to an NBA Finals in 47 years, much less win one. So there was a, a lot of demons exercise yesterday. There was a lot of people from across generations, whether they have just adopted this team from the Jokic era or go all the way back to the ABA, that just let a lot of emotion out yesterday. It was um, it was a long time coming, and it was very well-deserved and earned by the franchise. Chad Anders, the fan in Denver. All right, how cool was it? Because you've done a lot of radio over the years, and I know you've done long shifts. Hell, we all worked for Sports Fan Radio Network back in the day, so five- and six-hour shifts were the norm. How cool was it last night taking the energy of the city as all the celebrating was going on, but also taking calls throughout the night? Because you basically, as a station, went 24 hours, right? We did, and I did the first five hours from the time the game ended until 2 a.m. local time. And... Honestly, Steve, you know, some of those long shifts can be really, really painful, especially when there's not a lot going on, but it felt more like a two- or three-hour show would on a normal basis just because there was so much energy, there was so much to talk about, because you hardly even got into the actual game itself, in the ugly rock fight that it was that you would normally do on a post-game show, because, again, we're talking about the history of an entire franchise and what this city has been through with their team over 47 years. So that covers a lot of ground, and it takes up a lot of segments over the course of five hours. Chad, as you talk about the folks who've been through it all with the Nuggets, break it down for me, because I was actually in Denver not long ago, and it felt like there was a lot of the picked it up with Jokic kind of crowd but you're saying you you there are a lot of the uh alex english issel all the way back there's a lot of that crowd too well it, it depends on what you consider a lot because you know much like las <laughs> vegas denver has grown exponentially over the last 20 and, and 30 years i mean i i left las vegas and came here in 2001 and it's a totally different city and metro area than it was 
22 years ago. So uh, I was there when they were awful, when the Cronkies kind of scrapped the team and blew it up the first time and tanked to try to get uh, a LeBron or a good spot in that 2003 draft that landed Carmelo. And there are a good fair amount of people who were there and were here way before that. But the problem is, you know, those people are now all in their 50s and 60s and older. So it's not the, the bulk of what Denver is made up of now, of young people and a lot of transplants. So uh, the bulk of the Nuggets fans and the people you saw out last night around Coors Field or on, on 20th and Market Street and the street celebrations and Aaron Gordon going shirtless through the streets of Denver partying with all the fans, those are the new generation of Nuggets fans. Those are the people in their 20s or 30s that really have come around, I would say, from at least Carmelo on, but even the bulk of those being from the Jokic era on. And speaking of, with Jokic, all the attention last night was on the muted celebration from Nikola Jokic. What is it that everybody else outside Denver doesn't get about him? Because it didn't seem like anyone in Denver was terribly surprised that that's how he was celebrating the championship. It's exactly how he is. And what people are coming to realize is that, yes, he is a savant, he's a genius, he is unbelievably gifted at basketball, but he is not a ball-is-life guy. It's not the most important thing in his life. He doesn't obsess over it. He he takes pride and joy in the process of learning and growing and competing. And I think he really enjoyed this finals because he finally had – uh, somewhat of an equal in terms of uh, the chess match of the strategy of the game going up against Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler. And he doesn't have that in the regular season. He doesn't have that in most playoff matchups. So he was finally challenged to actually play to the level that, that engages him and makes him compete. But basketball is not the most important thing in his life. Family is the most important thing in his life. His horses are the most important thing in his life. He plays basketball, and he enjoys it, and he likes competing, and he wants to win, but he is not going to live and die with it. And I think people are finally starting to realize that, but it is just such a departure from what we're used to with our American basketball culture to try to grasp and understand how can this guy be this good and he's really kind of aloof about it. So it is going to take some getting used to, and I think eventually there'll be the bulk of the population that gets there because he's going to be in contention probably for at least the next three, if not more years. And Chad, it feels like that is the perfect contrast with Nikola Jokic to what we heard from both Michael Malone and Jamal Murray last night already talking about the idea of potential multiple championships for the Nuggets, it almost felt to me like, hey, guys, slow down a sec. Just enjoy the moment for, you know, I don't know, an hour, two hours before you start drawing up the X's and O's to try to win a few more. Are we reading potentially too much into that? Were they having a good time or it kind of felt like they were just like, yeah, you know what? On to the next. They were enjoying it. They were very emotional about it. And uh, by the way, congrats. BGK just got on the board here, it looks like. Um, they were enjoying it. But that is the, the stark contrast in the personalities and kind of the, the yin and yang of the Nuggets. Jamal Murray is obsessed with basketball. He's been obsessed with basketball since he was three years old, and his, his father trained him his, his entire life to embrace these moments and be the playoff performer that he has been. And, and for him to overcome what he's overcome, yes, he's now even hungrier to continue that 
and prove to the world that, hey, I'm not just a good player. I am going to be an all-time player, and you haven't even selected me to an all-star game yet. Michael Malone, by the same token, is, is a lifer. You know, his dad, Brendan Malone, is a longtime NBA coach and was on the Bad Boy Pistons staff, and that is all he thinks about. And I think he has got so much of the New Yorker in him that you heard early in the playoffs with the no respect for the Nuggets and everybody's talking about the Lakers type of thing, that this is his way of staying engaged and kind of sticking it to everybody else going, oh, no, you think we're going to be satisfied with one. You better keep talking about us because we're going to keep coming back and coming back and coming back as long as Jokic is here. Adam Candy, Cofield, Ellis Island. Couple goals on the board for VGK. It's one nothing with seven minutes left in the first. There's a uh, breakout here, and uh, Bob makes a save. Chad Anderson on the horn from the fan in Denver. How much of the? Uh, I know you guys just addressed it a little bit. How much of the talk moving forward will be for you guys? Can they pound out multiple titles? Sorry if I'm being repetitive, but. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy down here. No, it's it's definitely a theme, and I, I think it, it's been a theme since they knew they were going to play Miami in the finals because I think everybody here knew that they were going to win, and it was the start of something big. It, it's not only the franchise getting over that hump and, again, exercising all those demons from the history of 47 years, but it's knowing that the starting five is under contract for a minimum of two more years and they have someone in Michael Porter who isn't even anywhere close to reaching his potential as a player. So, yes, they're aware that the unique climb of the NBA with five different champions in the last five years, but now an extreme change to the new collective bargaining agreement that is going to make it tougher for teams to stack star players together or build super teams or try to catch up to where they're at. They're in a very favorable position with the age of everybody under 30, under contract for the long time to come, and still room to grow with guys, especially like Michael Porter on the roster, that yes, they're in a very favorable position to maximize this if they can go to the playoffs healthy every year. Chad Anders, the fan in Denver. So as Chad said, he lived in Vegas for a while. You're very familiar with the market. Sorry, we've got a crazy scrum in front of the net. That could be a goal, but I think will be reviewed. We'll get you more information on that. This Ellis Island is freaking going crazy in the front yard. So you are a Vegas resident. I know you're watching uh, what's going on with the A's and the, the stadium money and all that stuff. You guys have baseball in Denver. It's been a moderate success, I guess, uh, but you've kind of experienced you know, bad ownership. I don't know. What do you think of handing over money to a, a group like the A's uh, in, in a city where could, could we use baseball? I guess. Uh, could we use a new owner or like you know, aggressive expansion owner in baseball? Faux show. So what do you think? I think if you have the opportunity to get the team, you take it because there's always the possibility down the line of new ownership coming in at some point that is going to treat the franchise in a different manner. And with the market support, you may have a chance to turn it around. So if you can get the franchise, take it. If you're going to be required to pay money for them to build a 30,000-seat stadium, that's a colossal waste because well, what is more useless than a 30,000-seat stadium anywhere? That's, that's the biggest way to waste billions of dollars. 
Um, in terms of the Rockies here, if you want to make that comparison, yeah. they have a much larger stadium. They do very, very, very well in attendance because it is a fantastic summer activity with the weather we have here in Colorado. But again, it's an activity that's no different than going out to any other park or going to Meow Wolf or a museum or going out to kayak on the river or hike in the mountains. It is something that people do to be together in groups and enjoy time outside in the summer. No one cares about the baseball. It's just the venue that people use to get together and enjoy it. Well, Chad, congrats. It sounds weird because you're a media member, but, uh, you know, I, I know you love basketball, and being part of something like that is really cool with the Nuggets. So very interesting experience, man. And I admire you guys for going 24 hours. That was really cool. Chad Anders, we appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. Pretty disappointed you guys aren't going all night tonight. Stay safe. Enjoy yourselves. The party's coming your way. There you go. We'll see. We'll see. Not about the going all night. Uh, we'll see if they can win the cup here, but hell of a start, Candy. Two, two nothing, and uh, you know as we mentioned, or you mentioned a shorty from Stony. That's that's the kind of thing that's a friggin' backbreaker. When you're down three one, and now you're giving up shorthanded goals. Oh boy. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, if Florida could have gotten off to a power play start, that would have been fantastic for them. But now Nicholas Haig adds one two nothing, and uh, Panthers. This could be an avalanche. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Alright, two nothing. Three and a half minutes left in the third. Check that. Check that. I'm jumping ahead in the first period. Vegas Golden Knights lead it. Uh, Candy, I just helped to further ensure a cup victory. Tonight, I did bet the Panthers, so that should lock it up. We'll continue with the jinxing, talking about parades and celebrations. Let's say they win. How wild will it get down here? And I'm at Ellis Island. JBT's here with us, ESPN Las Vegas, at the front yard. We're watching the game. How wild will it get down on the strip? I don't think as wild as you're guessing, but oh, I'm not. I was I asking you. I, I actually, I actually don't think it's not going to be like Denver. Denver got out of control last night, no. and there, there were. I thought there were hundreds of thousands of people for the celebration. Uh, I'm, I'm with Chris Matthews, so I quoted earlier. I think the people in the arena, people on the ground at Toshiba, and then maybe another five or ten thousand. But maybe we'll be blown away, and there'll be a hundred thousand plus down here. Well, I hope that whoever shows up is showing up. For the party to celebrate and to enjoy because seeing a story about 10 people getting shot in the middle of the area where the celebration was going on last night was kind of sickening uh, apparently reading more about it there's some drugs involved and some, uh, some fentanyl and some other issues down there but come on now man come on I can remember being in downtown Denver when the Avalanche beat the Devils for the Stanley Cup back in 2001. I was like the only Devils fan in the stadium. And yeah, I was walking around little fires and things burning in the streets, but I never felt unsafe. I, even wearing a Devils jersey, didn't feel like anything was going to happen to me. This is a different story. Yeah. Uh, Be safe. Also realize that Metro deals with this stuff, so I wouldn't get too froggy. I saw idiots like hanging off of a light post last night and falling to the ground 40 feet down. Be safe tonight if the Knights win. I don't want to jinx it. 
Uh, we got another minute left here at Ellis Island. I want to remind you, front yard's open. Come now, come during the game, come after the game. It's a great place to celebrate, watch the end of the game. You wear your VGK gear, you get a free beer. They've got a chance to win a Jack Daniels branded Vegas Golden Knights jersey. The menu here is awesome. Beer, brine, chicken wings, pork belly bites. They added steak frites to go you know, next level. They've got seven different beers brewed right here at Ellis Island. Brewery's been open since 1998. And then our grand prize is Jay Leno tickets and also Power Trip. This is a three-day ticket to a big concert in Indio, California. The lineup includes Guns N' Roses, Iron Maiden, ACDC, Ozzy Osbourne, Metallica, and Tool. And we're going to be giving away a set of tickets for that one. So come on down here, Ellis Island. Thank you so much for hosting Cofield and Company to Damon and James. We appreciate it. We'll see you, folks. Good luck to the Knights. The Boston Red Sox host the New York Yankees Saturday starting at 3.30 on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 a-